0: Greetings from the Long Island Sound Podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, where we explore the muse and the music. From the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons. Navigating the wellspring of original music from singer-songwriters and musicians from Long Island, New York. Hi, I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island sound. Like the rising of the phoenix, the career of Kelly Baker is beginning to soar. You'll be amazed by her music and soulful voice as she debuts two new songs. Today I peel away at the many layers of the artist behind the music. Kelly Baker's music is a showcase and lesson to allow ourselves to be vulnerable in art. Bringing her audience along, Kelly sings from the heart, pulling our heartstrings in directions unimaginable. Take a listen to her song, Intimate Creatures. I am, I
1: am what I've been i just in the world You'll Sideways dance through the alleys of your heart Watch your shadow flicker down the walls that you forgot So I slide to taste the sin you're sinking in If I could only save you From the guilt of the ties you wick to feed you Shift me sideways Let me see your point of view Dance me through your darkness Fill it all of me through Like a jacket full of watches It's past time
0: I don't know too much about my guest today, but after listening to her music, I can testify to one thing. This lady's got soul. Alicia Keys, Amy Winehouse, Mary J. Blige, Nora Jones, Susan Tedeschi, make room for Kelly Baker. Her catchphrase from Pablo Picasso on her website states, Every act of creation is first an act of destruction. And the one thing that Kelly Baker destroys for me is any notion of pigeonholing her music into one genre. Born and raised in Phoenix and transplanted to New York in 2012, Kelly quickly caught the ear of fans in the music scene here on Long Island. In this episode, we'll discover the artist behind the music, and I have no doubt we'll be able to create some adoring fans for this lovely lady. Hey, welcome to the Long Island Sound podcast, Kelly. Great to have you here.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So you are my first transplanted guest who (laughs) actually didn't grow up in the metropolitan area, which I think is kind of cool. So uh, you were raised out in Pahonix, out in Arizona.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: And I got to ask you this right off the bat, is why New York?
2: Oh, I've just, though, I always just felt like I was supposed to be here. Ever really? Since I, yeah, there was never ever since I was very very young. Um, there was no doubt that this is where I was going. I don't know why. Um, I just was always coming. <laughs> oh, okay. So it finally happened in 2012. It was the 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 stars aligned, and there were there were uh, some hiccups along the way, but it was the time, and we made it happen.
0: Now I've I've done a lot of travel in in my work. I love I love the West. I love Arizona. It's very brown. I got to yes. say, uh, yeah, <laughs> my daughter fine. actually taught out in uh, Tucson for the past two years. So uh, I got to go out there in uh, very warm weather and I melted for like two days. Yeah. I probably could have melted a little bit more if you asked my wife. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, was there a culture shock for you when you came to New York?
2: Oh, yes. I mean, I came I mean, out- you were
0: You were pretty young, right? In your 20s? At the no, yeah. you... I don't I don't Yeah, you're old no lady now. Um yeah. <laughs> um
2: it was very different. I came out here knowing this is where I was supposed to be and um my first time actually touching down in New York was June of 2012 and it was kind of just to suss it out. Um mm-hmm. and then I was here in October. I got here just as Hurricane Sandy hit. So as Hurricane Sandy was hitting, I was already driving across the country in a U-Haul.
0: Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I'm I actually live on the South shore that got hit really bad. So, um, yeah. uh, wow. Okay. So they made, they made a clearing for you to come into town.
2: <laughs> there was a lot, you know, we were, I, and my experience of course is very minimal compared to so many others, but talking about a culture shock, I never saw not, or just a shock in general. I never saw actual snow come down. And okay. i don't know if you remember we had that nor'easter then, and it was very early in the season and right after Sandy. So there was no power and that nor'easter. And um, that was pretty intense. You know, I had never, I didn't have boots or a jacket or anything. I didn't think any of that was happening yet. Uh, I,
0: had, and, I had cousins from San Diego or um, east of San Diego. And I remember as a kid, man, when they saw snow, they freaked out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We had to go get the, the sleighs and, and do some sleigh riding down and, uh, you know, find a couple of hills and stuff. And they, yeah it was just like a, a great adventure. So that that's really neat. That's neat. So, um, so you hit the scene here, um, you know, and did you have family here or, or no, you really, do you have some connections here in New York at all or no?
2: My aunt lived in Huntington. So okay. that's kind of where the jumping off place was. And I had intended to go into the city, um, but the way that it happened i had a lot of hiccups along the way my truck blew its engine i sold it for scrap metal on the way we got robbed all kinds of things so when i finally got here i was i had i was exhausted all of my savings so i took two resumes not two resumes i'm sorry a bunch of resumes and walked mm-hmm. up and down the street in huntington village and got hired at two places um and at two restaurants because i have a restaurant background initially okay and so the way that it kind of worked out is I got hired here in Huntington and then I ended up falling in love with it and staying.
0: Nice. Nice. So along this journey, you had uh, a lot of things, I guess, to write about, man, when, when it comes to the, the struggles uh, that we have in life and uh, that, that in listening to your music, cause I really get into my guest music like just a couple of days before we get to talk, I can really, What well, kind of came to mind to me in your voice and the way uh, there's a lot of emotion and, and I really mean it, there is that soul that, that comes through your voice, which which is a big compliment is that I was thinking about singers like yourself, emote feelings that I could never emote. <laughs> I have them. I can't. Ex- and the way you express it, it just kind of gives a good, I think a great connection to your audience uh, you. in, in, in how you go about that. So um, let me ask you what, and we'll get into, you know, uh, the early stuff, you know, what what kind of brought you into music. But what drives you to write music?
2: Well, um, I've always written in a way, but I think that what drove me to write the correct music or the right music was when I stopped caring so much what other people thought. Okay. So there was a lot of things that used to go into my writing where I would just be scared to really... I think I sent you Red Winter. Did I send you that? Oh, yes, absolutely. So that's the one that kind of, you know, when I do that, people are kind of, you know, but um, it's the most intimate song I've ever written. And I used to think, what are my parents going to think? or What's my grandmother going to think or anything if I really expose myself for what I am? Because I used to really care what other people thought. And once I um, just made peace with not caring about that. Um, then the real writing came out and that's what really people don't want everything that is surfaced. They want to connect with things. And um, so it connects for me and I feel like it connects for other people.
0: Right. And that's, that's really, you know, you kind of put yourself out there and as you were explaining that to me, I was think I'd like to do public speaking and I like, like to write. And as a younger man, maybe not so <laughs> younger man recently is sometimes you write to impress you know, impress your spouse, impress your family and your friends. But once you get freed up from that, and not that you don't care what people say, but you take it with a grain of salt and you're not fully affected by it. Right. Um, and, then, and then when you are vulnerable, that's what I find I, as far as people who are present to each other, and particularly singer-songwriters who are vulnerable and speak the emotions and the experiences of something that I can connect to. Man, you 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 build a fan base and you build people who really, really love your music, but it's putting yourself out there, you know. There are, uh I've spoken to singer-songwriters who may disparage writing in the first person. Um, you know, l- look at Taylor Swift. I mean, she always writes, you know. Right. I hate to be, you know, I hate to date her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause nobody laughs> yeah. More, yeah, like that would ever happen. But um, <laughs> in another life but uh, you know it'd be immortalized in song that way and and some songwriters take that route of creating characters and scenes and stuff like that uh that are way outside of their wheelhouse mm-hmm. and that that's that that i find interesting uh as well so we did um before the introduction we played uh intimate creatures uh, which is a great song um give me an idea how that came about when that was written. I don't even know Is that released yet, or
2: that's coming out July first. <gasps>
0: We've got an exclusive here on the Long Island Sound, everybody!
2: <laughs>
0: Whoa, I'm excited. We can end. We can stop right now.
2: Just... <laughs> that's coming <laughs> out July first. So, um, I wrote that um, the summer of last year. I almost hesitate to say why too much because.
0: Yeah, you don't person, have to go. You don't have to get into the why. Right, right. <laughs> right exactly.
2: um, but it's um, you know, what's the idea? Especially as as we go through life, I, I, you know, we get kind of this hardened shell. I know, a specific, especially for me, um, I come across as. Let's just say I don't open myself up as easy as I used to. You know, okay. you're a little guard. I mean,
0: you're, you're a little guarded.
2: Yeah, but that okay. doesn't mean that I'm not this person underneath, and that's what that song is about. I might present it this way, but there's a, but um, that's all you know, protection kind of, and but underneath all of that, you're this lush person still. You know, it just takes mm-hmm. a little bit to get used to, or to discover, I guess. And sometimes that gets overlooked.
0: All right, well, that's my worry. own
2: fault too, I guess, because I don't. Don't worry, it.
0: I'm going to get to the real real Kelly Baker. Don't worry. It, you know, it takes a couple hours and, you know, podcast is no limit. We can, we can, we can find out the real person. <laughs> so, um, how, how did you find, this may sound strange. How did you find your voice in the style of what you sing? Did, did it come right out of the bat, you know, after adolescence that, you know, cause you're, you have, you have a sultry, um, emotional, soulful uh, approach to things. Was it always that way?
2: No. You know, I remember certain things that inspired me. One was I always did choir where I was in corrals and I grew up, I went to a Christian school. And so music was always kind of around. And um, I remember seeing a woman named Talitha Scott and we had this retreat where we would go up North and it was like a big camp for, um, for all of the kids at the school and we would put on performances and she was a transplant. She came through from Nashville to Arizona. Mm. She was actually friends with the Judds and she just brought something to, she just got up and sang, precious Lord, take my hand Mm -hmm. at that retreat. And it was just like nothing I'd ever heard in my life. And then she sang it again at this music competition that we, we went to, and I used to have it, and listen to it over and over again, and try to train myself to be that way. And it did not work out for me. (laughs) You know, but I tried, you know, and the thing about, you know, voices, I feel if you work on it, now it takes a long, long, long time, like years, but it's just like learning the guitar or the piano or anything. If you can start here, and you continually work, there's um, the work that you do from yourself. But another huge part of it is the people that you surround yourself with and encourage you because in order to bring the big sounds, you have to feel comfortable bringing the big sounds, and sure. it takes a lot of courage.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, absolutely, so that would be—I would say—the um, open mic scene that I fell into around 2018 that really brought that out.
0: So that was that was a pivotal moment for you to to look that. Now, did you did you take vocal lessons? Did you? <laughs> I always have the joke, my wife still looking for the money for the vocal <laughs> lessons I was supposed to take. But uh, <laughs> did you, did um, you uh, do vocal training or?
2: Not outside of the choir, but I mean, that was a long time. I mean, I knew how to sing from, I was in the church choirs, and then I was in audition choral groups, and I did, you know, musical theater as a kid, but as far as one-on-one training now.
0: Wow. Okay. That, that's that's pretty neat. So you've, you've found, so you, I guess we're always constantly developing our voice uh, when it comes like that. And you brought something else up, which I want to point out is really that's another instrument, your voice, your vocal cords an instrument. You have to treat it well. You have to warm up. Mm-hmm. You you have to do certain exercises. You just don't, uh, you know, belt it out. Uh, you treat it well. You know, I spoke to other singer songwriters and said, yeah, no, I don't drink alcohol before a show because, you know, it's. I, I want to be at my best. I want things kind of tuned up, yeah. you know, to, to deliver something out there. And considering the way that you sing, man, I, I would think a lot of attention has to to go to that to to be prepped beforehand. Is that true? Yeah. Um, oh, tell me you wing it. Just tell me. Come on. Yeah, I don't do any of that, Steve. I just go out there. And I don't do as much out. prep
2: as I should. I'm kind of bad, and I have to safeguard myself. Um, yeah, I do a little bit of warming up, but not. I really shouldn't do that much. But I do end up, I, you know, I perform about four or five times a week.
0: Yeah. So this is actually not a uh, podcast episode. This is an intervention. I spoke to your band members, <laughs> and they said, Kelly, come on, I mean, <laughs> do the vocal exercises. You know, we yeah. don't just we don't want you screwing up out there. And why don't we why don't we do this? Let's let's take a quick break. I really want to learn about some of your early influences, and we share a couple of influences in common. So. Hang on, everybody. We'll be back with the great Kelly Baker. Hang in with us. Hi, Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny here. Well, as you're probably listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about that musician who'd make a fantastic guest here on the Long Island Sound. Well, we'd like to hear their story. We'd like to hear their music. So have them reach out to us at gigdestiny.com and we'll explore their craft. Now... Back to our podcast. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Kelly Baker. I'm Steve Yusko, your host for the Long Island Sound. We're having a lot of fun, I think.
2: Yes, we are.
0: <laughs> um, Kelly, I want to talk about your early influences. I'm always interested in, in you know, when did you pick up an instrument? Um, we share a couple of influences in common. The Rolling Stones, obviously. Neil Young, I'm a huge Neil Young fan. My wife curses at me and says don't try to sing like Neil ever. <laughs> you know, and uh, what was that other group that you like uh Jane um addicted
2: Jane's addiction?
0: Yeah, I just oh, yeah. Checked, I just checked them out. That they're, oh, they're, they're cool. Yeah, they're they're new to me as far as an influence, so uh we'll check them out. But tell me about it. When did you pick up an instrument? What was your, you know, influences to say, yeah, I think I like doing this. I have I think I can do it.
2: So I always wanted to be a performer in some way. Um, I was always a singer. I play a terrible piano. Um, I played a decent flute at one point, but kind of gave that up. Um, and then at a high school, you know, kind of, I got into some hard rock bands and I'm singing then and doing some different stuff, but I was always limited because I didn't play the guitar. Mm-hmm. So, um, as time went on and I had some bands and they fell apart, I didn't want to be, I had so much songwriting. So I was always um, a cocktail waitress for years and years. And then I was a restaurant manager. And a lot mm-hmm. of times when you they print your receipts or your checks, you know, that gives you your total. I would print, I would feed out the paper and keep it in my check presenter and have 10 of those in there and just write lyrics as I was walking around between the tables. Oh, that's or, cool. Or I'd get a good one and then I'd run into the bathroom stall and be scribbling in there, you know, to hiding from people because sometimes things really come to me when I'm kind of doing other things and bopping around. If I sit here and be like, write something brilliant, it's never going to happen. It always just kind of comes and I have to seize it when it comes. Um, So that's what I did. And then I was limited because I didn't have a like a... the ability to play the guitar and accompany myself. Okay. So one of my ex-boyfriends broke up with me and then he gave me a guitar that he got at a pawn shop. He said, I know, he said, I know I'm going to regret, regret it one day, but here's a guitar. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. You know, so thanks.
0: Here's your consolation prize. (laughs) We'll never see each other again. And
2: So it, you know, it's so funny because we're still in contact sometimes. And he's like, where's my tickets to the show? (laughs) I bought you the guitar. But um, so I had that and I used that for years. And I brought myself, I bought myself a book on how to play the guitar. And I taught myself that way for years, Mm -hmm. um, which was not the right way to learn guitar. It wasn't until a few years ago that I really put effort into it. But that's what I did to accompany myself so I could write.
0: Yeah. I tell you what helped me. And I started early uh, in, in my early 20s, picked up, played the three chords and put the thing down for 10 years, said, this is yeah. too hard. What helped me were guitar tabs and YouTube. Yeah. And yeah. once I could see it, I could get it. And then eventually I took I took some lessons and uh, to, to get to know the neck and and stuff like that. What I think was kind of key is, uh, you know, with these uh, receipts, uh, the check receipts as a, as a waitress walking around. You do what a lot of people don't do. A lot of people are hit, and I'm guilty of this, you're hit with the muse. Maybe you throw it in your phone. I have got lots of stuff recorded on my phone that I'm guilty of not going back to, but you act on it. You act on the muse as you get it and you write it down and then you revisit, I, I'm, I'm sure, and, and you mm-hmm. plug it in. And that, is, uh, that takes some training to do that you know, and be consistent. You gotta woodshed that almost to be a right. singer songwriter, you know, to kinda of jump into it. So um all right, another question. Introvert or extrovert?
2: Uh extroverted introvert. So I like to be out and about, but I also really like solitude. I'll travel by Ooh. myself. Um I like. I just got back from a music convention. I went by myself. I
0: have no problem oh, you went to the NAM show. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, I hope she's going to be here tonight." <laughs> yeah. how, how did you like? How you like the Nam Show? I haven't been yet.
2: That's my fourth year. Okay. So um, I love it. I it just um, it's invigorating every year. Here's a great story. Here's a yeah, side
0: please. One. All right. So it's about time, by the way.
2: <laughs> 2018. That's where everything. You'll hear me kick kick pick that uh, year up a lot. And it really was just a catalyst of a time. There were just things that moved into place that pushed me into what I'm doing now, finally, because I got to a point where I just, you know, everybody gets kind of complacent, right? You get a lot of things that come into your life and next thing you know, what years go by and you're not doing what you thought you were going to be doing. And it was around that time where basically I walked into a, backstage at a concert. Somebody brought me backstage at a concert and I've been backstage at a concert before, but this one was different. Mm -hmm. And I walked in there and I just thought, I've got to get back into this kind of room as soon as possible. It was a really heavy music industry, big wig backstage. And I just felt like I walked into the room I was supposed to be in. And I feel like everybody has gifts, right? Um, for myself, I'm a big, you know, not just musically. Um, I like business and I like marketing and mm. I could never make sense of if I wanted to go down that route or if I wanted to go down the musical route. And it wasn't until I realized I could do that for myself and put all those together that I right. felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. That's so, cool. mm,
0: go ahead, I'm sorry. Getting
2: into NAM the first time, I thought I I walked out of there and I thought I've got to get back into this room no matter what. I just and once I get like that, I get very tenacious. And Nam is very heavy industry only. And I didn't realize that at the time. I just thought, nah. hey, I'll show up at this convention. It'll be great. So <laughs> I showed up. I'm sorry. I submitted. They said, get out of here. No way.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> I mean, just yeah. to attend, just to attend, you have to have certain credentials in oh, order sure. to make it yeah. into the room. Okay, gotcha. I
2: think this year they finally let artists in. But I've been going long enough that they... Don't do it like you have to if you're an artist, you have to basically be brought in by, say, Yamaha or something or you oh, can be a guest to right, somebody right. or you have to be in the business itself or work for a recording studio. So my first producer owns a recording studio. I spoke to him and he said, sure, I use my I'll say you're my credentials. So okay. I submitted again. They said no dice. They said you need um, credentials. So I made fake business cards. <laughs> and I made fake letterhead and I submitted again. And they said it's pending. So finally, I called them and I said, I'm getting on a plane. So you better push this through because I'm late for this convention. And they said, Sorry, Miss Baker, here's the <laughs> And the whole time that I was on the plane and walking up there, I was thinking, Oh, I'm going to get busted, thrown out of here. But it worked. And I've been going every year since.
0: Fake it till you make it, baby. <laughs> That's great. That's you know, you know what's interesting. What's interesting is, I know a lot of artists who couldn't ma- market themselves out of a wet paper bag. Yeah. Okay. It's they're they're focused on their art, and um some of the old older artists are like, it's a humility thing almost. It's kind of interesting, right. but you you do have to be able to get yourself on different stages and and platforms. And you know, what tied into in in, in listening to what you said, how you felt like you were always supposed to be in New York. Yes. and how you were always supposed to be on that stage it's almost like this forward deja vu of picturing yourself or getting that little seed planted yeah that that drives you which I I, I think it's great i've always I've always loved marketing uh my wife debbie busts my my balls because you know she goes man you love you' you love yourself don't you you know and you're happy to talk about it but uh <laughs> But hey, if you don't tell people, right? Yeah. And you know what? Even, even with this podcast, which has been really, I've been very lucky that every interview leads to like, I'm not kidding, four or five other artists who I get introduced to. And, and it's a blessing for me because I get to hear great music and meet really, really wonderful people. And then what I hope to do is provide some insights, not only for myself, but for the audience to say, Hey, this is what I did. And I, I ran into this struggle or that struggle. Um, I'd love to get into the next song. I chose uh, Blood on the Nile, if that's okay sure. with you. So um, why don't you give me a little introduction to that? We'll let the audience, is this another exclusive, by the way?
2: Oh, yes. This has. This is coming oh, out September 9th. This is,
0: this is like a doubleheader. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. You guys out there in the listening audience are in for a real treat because you got two exclusives and it's not even out there. And Anyway. Kelly, tell us a little bit about the song, and then we'll jump into it let everybody hear it.
2: So this song, Blood on the Nile, is very special because this um, it has everybody from my band in it and people that I love contributing. So a lot of the know. work I've done before I really loved. Um, it's been with a past producer. who has been a great friend of mine. But um, he did a lot of the extra instrumentation, and I brought the basics. This is different because it was a collaboration between Um, my band, the Kelly Baker band and a couple Mm -hmm. of our other people that I brought in and it's just, we did it as a live band recording, Mm. did this at Cove city sound in Glen Cove. Um, that's Richie Canata studio from everybody knows him from, uh, Billy Joel. He was Billy Joel's sax player. Oh, and he yeah, I, I, studio and a lot of huge artists. Justin Bieber just recorded there. Mariah Carey did Vision of Love there. Selena really? there. They did the Chicago soundtrack there. All kinds of stuff. Wow. And that's in Glen Cove, and um, so I, it was. It was a beautiful studio. We, and it was. I was so happy with the way it turned out. And it seems like it's the sound just keeps, keeps coming more and more together. The more that I put out,
0: nice. so yeah yeah and by the way just for those who are listening i do have chapter marks so everyone we mention the studio and the different people in the podcast you'll find you'll see that the photo changes on your phone as you're listening and you'll also have links to the different websites so if you want more information and obviously you'll see the links for uh for kelly's uh, website as, as well so why don't we take a listen to blood on the nile and then we'll be right back Hey, everybody, we're back. We just listened to Blood on the Nile. And you had brought something up, Kelly, before the song where you said this was a kind of a a collaborative effort. I want you to kind of expand upon that because I believe there are singer-songwriters who are just soul practitioners. They bring everything in and they work with the um, producer in the studio to help with the arrangement. But they have it kind of locked up. So tell me how you approach different things or how it's evolving for you. I'm kind of interested in that.
2: I think with my band, it comes to us just really getting a lock on each other. And everybody is so talented in their own way. Uh, and there's no way that in my mind I could speak a bass line like my bass, my bass player can. Or, you know, I just, I'm not that fluent in those instruments. And they are. And the way that that comes together, like the guitar solo on that song is just insane. And... My guitar player Richie—he actually makes his own pedals, which is amazing. All
0: right, what's Richie's name? Because we're gonna get a, we're gonna we gotta promote Richie.
2: Richard Vishlensky.
0: That's 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 a mouthful. All it right. is
2: a mouthful. <laughs> it took me a while to get down to
0: Richie Richie V. Right? <laughs>
2: He's amazingly talented, and a lot of these guys I met at open mics, and some of these guys I met through the music scene. Um, something that you don't really hear out here a lot is that um, that pedal steel, which has got that kind of yes sound to it. And that guy, um, his name is Brother Dave, and he plays all over the island.
0: Okay.
2: Um, and we met at a singer-songwriter showcase at Daisy's Nashville Lounge down in Patchog, And we've ended up hitting it off and doing a couple gigs together. And um, I asked him to come in and perform on that. The, the Keeps player um, is somebody I met at a jam. There's a jam we go to Um, on Wednesday nights in Oyster Bay Bay called The Homestead. Okay. And that keyboard player, he goes there. He's incredible. And um, I asked him to come in and and play on the track and just all of those things and the energy of all of us in the room together. That's Mm. another thing, the live recording as opposed to recording the bass. You know, you do a few takes then the next guy comes in. We did it all. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, especially now that you know the the heavy duty part of isolation uh, for COVID, which kind of forced everybody to be in different locations and and try that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some there's something to be said about being face to face, right? And and, and, oh, yeah. and and working off each other's energy,
2: just having that conversation. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, So when 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 so the band came together over time. Is it pretty fluid, or you pretty much have your. Uh, You have all all your people uh, consistently at this point.
2: I have my consistent people. Sometimes we'll have people come in, like Bobby, the keyboard player. He's not available Mm. all the time, but when he can, he'll jump in. Um, But that kind of came about. I always wanted to do it, but we played The Bitter End in November of last year, and I decided I wanted a full band for that, and then we all just kind of came together, and we've been going forward since.
0: That's great. That's really nice because things things always change, you know, with with yep. any band. But um, wow, that's, that's that's interesting how you do that. So you you mentioned that you had an, a producer that you worked with. So did you move between producers recently? Because you have about four albums out, right? And I think you you've been pretty prolific over the past couple of years.
2: Yeah, just kind of I've been releasing kind of single at a time, like every couple of months. And mm-hmm. the first person I was working with was that's um, Philip A Jimenez. And he's a great friend and he's actually one of my, uh, my best friends. It's her husband. And they were both in Wheatus, which is a big Long Island band, um, or started in Long Island. They did that song, Teenage Dirtbag that everybody knows. Um, and he was the original producer and percussionist on that. And I recorded at his studio in Huntington. Okay. And then, um, I just wanted to explore some other sounds and then, Uh, that's kind of where Cove City came into play. It was just, I think it was the right move and, Mm. um, we came out with a beautiful project. So,
0: yeah, Yeah, it's amazing. It's, and I truly believe this as, as you look back on, on different milestones and different influences in your life and you, and I've come to the conclusion that there are no coincidences, you know, things, things happen for a reason. You run into this person or that person. Mm -hmm. And if you're tuned in, no pun intended. Uh, to what's actually happening, you recognize, hey, this this could be the the person I need, or am I might be good for them? And I'm sure you've been on other people's albums, or it's pretty much your own stuff.
2: No, I haven't actually. I've been asked to do it, but I I haven't done it. Yeah, I mean, I did some older stuff. Okay, so though, you're
0: very selfish. Okay, but. all right, very self centered <laughs> and selfish.
2: There's some older stuff that I did that's very dated. That
0: uh, we'll find it. Is, is it on the web? That, See, 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 no. see, the, the onion, the onion is peeling. We are peeling the onion. See? All right, so we found that out. <laughs> see, well, there's so many surprises here on the Long Island Sound that, you know, you have to listen to the whole episode because God knows what's going to happen. She's going to ask an inappropriate question and stump the guests. No, I have not. I have not <laughs> done that. <laughs> so switching subjects. Um, I noticed on your website, when uh, the about section, um, it, your dad passed in 2012. Was it 2015? Excuse me, um, and that was kind of a turning point. So do you want you want to talk about that and you know th- dad's influence on your career? And
2: sure, um, I was very fortunate to have extremely almost to their own detriment uh, supportive okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Where they would, they were just let you know, okay, Kelly sounds great, you know, and I would have these grandiose ideas, and they would just let me do whatever I wanted when it came to these things. Um, and especially when it came to anything creative, they were both just so great and so supportive. So that helped a lot with my courage, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and uh, you know, when my father passed away maybe a couple years before that. And especially after that, my sail then the wind was out of my sail sure. for quite some time, you know, and it happened very suddenly, mm, um, and unexpectedly. And, um, I'm also an only child. That was, was my next this-
0: inclination. I'm serious. And we have, my, we have, uh, an only child uh, as well. And, yeah. uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: Hmm. No, not at all. Um, and, you know, he's very much a, a part of who I am. My mother as well. Um, sometimes you'll see her just coming out and like, I'll pick her up. And I actually moved my mother oh, here great. last year from Phoenix. Um And she'll come up with like a Kelly Baker shirt. And she has like <laughs> a phone case and stuff. I'm like, oh my God. You're, never, you know? <laughs> you're number one cheerleader. We
0: all need cheerleaders. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: They were so supportive, um, but it was just, I... That's another thing that kind of ties mm-hmm. into it. So when my father died, it was like instantly, this whole person, my whole identity of who I was, this person that had these parents that I loved so much. Um, I mean, like I said, it, it, was, it was called the Widowmaker, so it was just oh, yeah. lights out, and he was yeah. supposed to be coming out here um, to help with some things. It was a hard time already, and my whole identity I felt just got yanked from underneath mm-hmm. me. Uh, like there's words, there's the version of you before something like that happens. And then there's this other person and you've got to kind of find out your navigation on that. And that kind of ties into if you have this much time, why, if you can, I mean, you can't control everything, but if you can control some things, you kind of owe it to yourself to be the best version of yourself that you right. can be. Because if you're not, you're wasting your own time. So um, when it comes to my father being a turning point in my life, it was just that sobering realization of how precious sure. life is. And once I was able to navigate through the grief, which took a long time, um, that was something I took What was
0: dad's of. favorite music?
2: Ooh. <laughs> uh Well, he liked the Beatles and stuff, but he liked the Stones more than okay. the Beatles. Uh, but he liked Soul. Like we, we went to see BB King oh, together. Wow. Uh, he liked like the Pointer Sisters. And okay, stuff, very diverse. You know?
0: That's great. Where'd you see, Where'd you see BB yeah. King? Did you see him in uh, Memphis? In oh, Arizona. in Arizona. Wow, in Arizona. that's great. That's great.
2: Yeah, he was like a big blues guy, and he would sing karaoke. And I remember going to sing karaoke with him. He, a couple of years before he died, he just started going out to these karaoke bars, and he was not um, the most humble person. He would be, "I'm amazing." He's like, "You <laughs> got, you got to hear me. I'm the so good." You know, he's like, "I should have been doing this my whole life."
0: <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> you know. So we went out and did that. I'm glad we had those times oh, that's, together. That's, you know, that's that's that's
0: really wonderful. That's that's great stuff, man. You know, it's interesting because uh, we have an only daughter named Faith. She's very creative. Uh, I, I think Debbie and I were very encouraging. She is bold and, and fierce and, you know, she loves the microphone as well. And she's done things that just really kind of amazing. You know, we kind of both Debbie and I look at us and go, wow, you know, that's just, it's, it's the little things, you know, and we take a lot of pride. We spent our whole life telling her what, you know, Hey, don't, do what mom and dad did because we screwed up doing this, just do the opposite. And it worked out for her <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. So it's just, yeah, parents have a great, did they, uh, your parents play instruments as well or no? Um, My mom played okay. the piano.
2: Had had my, yeah, my dad didn't play any instruments. I I wonder a lot had, you know, certain situations presented themselves like, had he been in a more singing environment, a more musical environment, what could have come sure. out of that? Because a lot of it is just sitting in you, and you don't know until it's brought it. Right, brought exactly. Out, you
0: know? it, but, it's ama- it's amazing when someone when someone passes, and I'm a, a heck of a lot older than you. It it, it kind of dwells. I, I told him, "Going awake to awake tonight," and you know, in an instant, someone's not there. Uh, and you, we all reflect on this. We all reflect on, and what I've been reflecting on the past year or two. Especially with COVID, is trying to be more present to people, um, and to yeah. when someone's talking, to really listen to them. It's tough with technology, you know, getting disrupted. But man, when you can just listen, uh, I'll just tell you a quick story. We had this guy, Chat, pass away. They called him Chat because he liked to talk a lot. He had great stories, and in hindsight, in knowing Chat, Chat just wanted you to get to know him through his stories, and right. and you know what. And I, I, we all have guilt of not being more attentive when we should be. But you know what? The next time, I'm going to be a little more attentive, you know, to, to try to be present. Um, anyway, in that somber note, jeez, yikes. I always get on a, a, little, a little soapbox once in a while, you know. It drives the audience <laughs> away. It's really, it's an, it's an amazing thing. Hey, I'd like, I'd like to get into um, your, your third song. Tell me, if you tell me this is an exclusive too, I'm going to freak out.
2: No, no. God, okay. No.
0: All right. By the way, she really does have stuff that's published out there on all the major platforms, okay? Because <laughs> you know, everyone's guessing now. Another exclusive? Does this girl actually have stuff yeah. that's out there? But tell us a little <laughs> bit about Red Winter.
2: So that was kind of – sorry, my cat was attacking me. Um, That was – that's the most personal song okay. I've ever written. And you could go on to, you could just type in Red Winter, Kelly Baker on Google and read the lyrics when you listen to it. And I recommend anybody that listens to it to do that. So you can kind of sit in the song with me, but um, it's we'll, do about, that. we'll
0: do that in the chapter marks. So, uh, uh, okay. Cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, it, I basically take all my guts and I put them on the table and it's obviously about, a relationship with somebody. And that's kind of what kicked Mm -hmm. everything off. Um, And I wouldn't say it had anything to do with that person as much as that experience needed to happen to be a catalyst. Um, And I had to be in that kind of (gasps) emotion to spur that kick to get moving. Um, So I feel that I was misunderstood and it's about, so I could, you know, we could, sit by side by side our whole lives. And yet we could have two completely different perspectives. Sure. It's really just what a lot of it is on the information that's presented to you and, and your own experiences
0: um, that bring each other conclusions or perspectives. Right. Absolutely.
2: Right. And so this person, I think just completely misunderstood who hmm. I was. Um, and there were factors there that, um, enabled that to happen and I just, for me, I'm I'm very vocal and I like to explain myself and I'm a very, I know I said I'm guarded, but um, I'm also very, like I like to get my point across and if I'm misunderstood, I like to be be able to say my, speak my piece on it and that wasn't able to happen, which was very frustrating. So that's where that came out. And if you like, you know, I'd like to meet this other version of me, the one that you wrote in your head and believe, that's one of the lines in there. And then it says, like, the one you imagine is this, and it goes into that. And that's what that's
0: what right. out of that All right. Let's song. take a listen to Red Winter, and then we'll be right back after the song. Check it out, everyone.
1: God, where you were home, where you said the good words And I believed that. What is it about me that scares you about you? One-eyed keep You see the world in blue, it's a shame Tasted on you. The devil's in the details, and I saw you by the light Struck and sad, hiding in bitter, stalking and mad, head to the glass with her hands full of fists. We we'll never quite felt something like this. It burns to your river and it beats to your drum. Oh, honey, I've come. Oh, the fat lady has sung. And have you seen her lately? You know her, I don't. She's somewhere in that me that you wrote, the one that you left and should have called. It's too bad you don't know her. You don't know me. At all.
0: Hey, that song was really wonderful and thanks for uh being transparent and 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 letting us see and hear that—it's it's really nice. It's nice uh, when when singer-songwriters allow themselves to be vulnerable, because I think we all we all benefit from it. So thank you for that. Um, I did mention to you during the break. Um, I listened to the song Cathedral. I thought that was a great song too. I, I invite people to check it out. It was just thank you. Did you did you record it in a studio or in a church? Because it sounds like you did.
2: So I recorded that at Blockhead Studios in Deer Park. Um, And I got that idea. I was actually traveling by myself and I was in Paris and I was at the Saint-Chapelle and they have the stained glass windows and um, each one of them tells like a parable, right? And then I got to thinking about how these pieces of glass come to come together and make these stories. So when you're thinking about, putting that in perspective in your life when you get broken and shattered, but then you can put them together and it makes this colorful, colorful, colored, colorful version of who you are. Um, and so that's kind nice. of what
0: very nice makes up. Well, I tell you, you have some future ahead of you. I mean, I just, I get excited about a lot of guests, but I, <laughs> i I really want to listen to more of your music. I can't wait to see what else you have. You have coming out. Thank you for the exclusives. Uh, man i man, i'm gonna i'm gonna oh, yeah. go to the mountaintops and talk about that because it's 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 really cool for me that that you, <laughs> you didn't do it on purpose but it was nice and, and i appreciate that you're playing i saw on your website you're playing <laughs> all over you know long island um on the gig destiny site we'll definitely repost mm-hmm. uh the different places that you'll be playing play both solo and with your band right Out out there and about so um Let me ask you one last question before we kind of wrap up is where, where do you see things going for yourself? I mean, uh, I mean, I think it's going good from what I can tell.
2: Well, it is fine. Now I'm a professional musician at this point. So this is what I do. Um, which is wonderful. I mean, what can you ask for more than that? Really? You know, I mean, and then, I'm just going to keep going and going and see where it goes. But I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. So where do I see myself going? I see the band okay. coming along really well and making some great music. I mean, I'm telling you when we're in a rehearsal space together mm-hmm. and now we've, we've gotten to know each other so well that we're like, Hey, how about we add a harmony here? How about we do this? Right. We try, and we're all comfortable putting our own spin on
0: that. Yeah, I, I was in a church band that something started. similar happened. And it, in the beginning it was tough because what may have appeared to be criticisms about vocals were really suggestions of where to take it. And once we all got kind of comfortable with it, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the nuances of personalities, it was great. It, we, we produced some really kind of cool stuff. We had ladies who were great vocalists that I learned a lot to me. It was a music lesson every Wednesday. And if you heard me play, you would be like, yeah, he needs a lot of Wednesdays to, uh, to learn some <laughs> wars.
2: Yeah. Yes, I mean you, oh, know you just where? did a snap there. I will All say right. one thing. What do you want to say? Can I say one? Thing? Going back. <laughs> um, this is just on that note, right? So, yeah. um, people bringing things out in each other. So when I started going out to open mics again, that was that time period a few years ago. Um, my friend's dad dragged me to this open mic. I was. Mm. Uh, I had kind of given up on music. I was just playing in my living room and putting videos out on YouTube. but I was terrified to play in front of other people, play guitar. You know, I could sing in front of other people easily, Mm -hmm. but playing guitar was very intimidating to me. And I went to an open mic in Huntington at the Nags Head. And this guy dragged me there. He said, I'm going to do it. If I'm going to do it, you're going to do it. I said, okay. And I went and I was not good. My guitar was awful. (laughs) It was awful, <laughs> but the host came up and said, you know what? That was great. You should come back. And for some people, that's really what it is. It's like, I, I just really want to stress how important that is just to make that first step. That's huge to go to an open mic and put yourself up out there like that. It's such, it's really, really, really hard. And to have anybody come up and say, you know what, That." meant something to me or that was good that's all these sometimes that's all it takes to spur this magic moment with people and i just try and encourage people to encourage others as much as i can
0: yeah i think you know my my opinion on the open mics people are there to encourage and be cheerleaders they want they want you to be successful they know you're nervous same thing with public speaking Mm -hmm. you know you find a couple of those eyeballs that that are encouraging you with their body language and 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 you tackle it so um Thank you for that tip because that that's, that's what people need to hear. Um, I end my podcast this way. Um, a friend of mine uh, said, you know, you, you, you never know how much time, you know, you can account for what's in your bank. You can account for what you own. You can never account for uh, how much time you have left. The fact that you gave me an hour of your time plus in preparing for this, I really appreciate it. Well, Kelly. Thank you for I, having uh, me. Thanks for being my guest. I really love to have you come back send all your friends all right get the send the bandmates no send the bandmates over they want to they want to chat um you know i'm an easygoing guy i don't ask too many tough questions but uh i appreciate you being here and i look forward to seeing you live and in person and and out on the music scene. thank
2: you so much happy to meet you as well
0: thank you for joining us today i appreciate the time you spent with us Please subscribe and comment and visit us at GigDestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.